0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: When asked last week by reporters if he was confident that he could give voting rights legislation passed, President Biden said, quote, I hope we can get this done, but I'm not sure. Wow. (laughs) Quite a turn from the yes we can days. It's like Nike changing their slogan to, I don't know, go for it if you want. Uh, so today is the day in the, in the Senate they're actually going to vote on the voting rights thing. I guess so they can get people on the oh, record. Oh, oh look, look what you did. Look what you did. You went with the verbiage of the left.
1: The voting rights thing.
2: Voting rules is what it is, as Britt yeah. Hume pointed out on Fox. It's a voting rules bill. Uh, to liberalize and federalize voting rules. There are plenty of ways you can vote. V- very, very few people are not being allowed to vote. Um, but, 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 so they're going to actually put a vote to that today, knowing it's going to fail to get people on the record. Here's a couple of things around that that are interesting. Stephen Colbert made this joke last night about Kirsten Cinema, one of the two senators stopping the uh, Senate from changing the filibuster rules. Colbert said last night. Mrs. Hamburgler, that's what he was calling Kirsten Cinema, has decided that while she values voting, the filibuster is her first love, even though it's an anti democratic tool, which is pretty good description of Kirsten Cinema. Anti Democratic wow. tool.
1: Wow. Uh, the Democrats used the filibuster three hundred plus times in the year twenty twenty.
2: And everybody from Barack Obama to President Biden, to Chuck Schumer himself, have argued how important it is to keep the filibuster. I mean, it's just, we're so far down the road of cynicism that I, I don't even know what to do with it. Right. I don't I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know how we function as a nation if we're going to be this cynical. Other than those elephantine
1: and irrefutable points, you make a good point, Stephen. Thanks for the joke.
2: What an ass. Does nobody care anymore? or how do we function with this for-profit business, man? By the way, when, uh, just on Kirsten Cinema briefly, she was so uh, loved by the left that a, you know, a bisexual woman Democrat had won in Arizona, but now that she's not 100 percent going along with the crowd, boo! She's an anti-democratic tool, a fascist and a racist. Uh, and then this, which I thought was pretty good. Jonah Goldberg uh, tweeted this out. Uh, the uh, and, and this is the caption. Joe Biden had one job above all others. No bad tweets. And he can't even do that. Sad. Here's Joe Biden's tweet. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things. Voter suppression and election subversion. It's about making it harder to vote. Who gets to count the vote and whether your vote counts at all? We have to pass the Freedom to Vote Act and John Lewis Voting Act's Advancement Act. That is so brutally dishonest. That is beneath the president of the United States. Did Trump have many tweets beneath the presidency of the United States? Of course he freaking did. But Joe Biden ran entirely on, I'm not going to be that kind of person. Okay. Well, I guess those days are over. You know, now would be a great time to run those Molly Hemingway quotes. I didn't know this until somebody pointed out yesterday, which gets to the way the mainstream media handles things. I'd heard about Joe Biden's approval rating being low. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was the second lowest in history at the one-year mark, and the only person lower was Donald Trump. I said, you're kidding me. Everybody should know that. Only one president has had a lower approval rating at the one-year mark than Joe Biden, and that's Donald Trump. And often
1: uh, numbers matter less than trends. Trump started quite low. He ticked a little bit downward, uh, but, you know, just hung around high 30s, low 40s. Joe Biden's numbers have plunged, especially among independents.
2: And Trump had the entirety of the media against him before he ever took the oath claiming that he was a tool of Russia and still was only like two points lower than Joe Biden is right now. With all the media cheerleading him the entire time, up until well, up until like the last week,
1: yeah, 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 unbelievable. So anyway, uh, the uh, the Joe Biden tweet. Give us uh, share that with us again, uh, a little bit of it. Do you have that handy?
2: Still, I, I do. Um, Jim Crow two which is obscene. That is absolutely freaking obscene for the president of the United States to play games with the Jim Crow South. Just obscene. Anyway, Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things. Voter suppression and election subversion.
1: That is sickening. Molly Hemingway of the Federalist. Clip 33, Michael.
0: Yeah, that original speech, a lot of people in the media loved it, but it went over like a lead balloon on Capitol Hill, calling people racist for opposing his fairly radical uh, voting changes legislation. The thing is, this whole issue, whether he's softer in the rhetoric or not, has been an extreme gaslighting of America. Nobody thinks that we have a voting rights problem like we had in 1964 in this country. Nobody thinks that in an election where you had tens of millions of people voting with no problem, that you have a vote. Voting rights problem.
1: Well, yeah, 1964 is a fine uh, date to cite, but how about 1916, 1902? I mean, when lynchings, torturings, murder, that sort of thing, you could not vote as a black person in large swaths of the country. To call this Jim Crow on steroids or Jim Crow 2.0 is, as Jack said, obscene.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, I read the statistics because they were out yesterday for Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. I think the stat was 6%. A black people were registered in Mississippi. It was something like that. I mean, just horrible. And that's what Joe Biden says is going on right now. That's an obscene thing for the president of the United States to say. And finally, for me, give us clip
1: 30. This is Brit Hume. This is an interesting case, and it's something we've seen many times before. This really isn't a voting rights bill. This is a voting rules bill. But this is how you do it sometimes. You pick a topic where you want to legislate something or get something done and you propose a measure that would, would do something you would like to see done, but which also might have the additional attraction of helping your party politically. And then you attach a name to it of some sanctified cause. So this bill is called a voting rights bill. It really isn't that. It's voting rules. But nevertheless, the name has stuck and everybody's using it. Here's the question. We frequent frequently pose this sort of question is there anybody so either emotional or dopey or swept up in 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 the rhetoric of the day among senators and congresspeople that they actually believe that rhetoric is there even one of them i mean because it's so wildly untrue i mean it's not even close to true it's essentially restoring voting rules to what they were before the pandemic Because there's no longer reason to be terrified to go to the polls if you do, you're a crazy person. Uh, Or you're 80 with asthma or whatever, and then God bless you, we're wishing you well. Um, Is there anybody on Capitol Hill who believes that rhetoric, or is every single one of them knowingly just putting on this wild-ass performance that this is a
2: racial terror? That second one, even beyond that, I don't think Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer actually want to do away with the filibuster. That's a good
1: point. And and they know this bill's not going to pass. They've known it for a very long
2: time. Right. I don't even think they want to do away with the filibuster. All the awful things they're saying about uh, mansion and cinema. I don't think they actually want it to happen. I think they'd be horrified it did. Republicans are going to take back control. They'd run roughshod over the government if that happened. Well, you're right. So the
1: entire thing, virtually every single syllable uttered, is fake.
2: It's fake. It's a lie. It's 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 an appeal to people that aren't paying close attention or something. I don't know. It's very cynical.
1: Follow up question. Among the legacy media. Now those people, we've known some of them, they're not very bright. It's not their fault. It's genetics. It's like not being very tall, okay? If Wolf Blitzer has the intelligence of, like, a medium-level bright sheepdog, (laughs) that's not his fault. If Don Limon couldn't think his way out of a wet paper bag, that's not a reason to hate the man. But here's the question. The media that are parroting these obscenities of dishonesty and, again, minimizing the Jim Crow horrors, The media folks, how many of them believe this stuff, Jack? Or are they just willing to go along because it's good clickbait? I think
2: a lot of them actually believe it. They believe that we are a white supremacist nation, and it's a bunch of white supremacists getting in the way of... Yeah, I think they believe it.
1: Yeah, I mean, my mind is cast back to the All-Star game, being yanked out of Atlanta, any reasonable uh examination of that uh, discussion of that would have said oh no no you're not going to yank the all-star game out of a majority black city with thousands and thousands of black business owners and give it to Denver in Colorado whose voting laws are more strict than Georgia that would be that would be insane and yet it happened so is it all explained by he asks knowing the answer is it all explained by Politics being the art of whipping the mob into a frenzy than telling them which direction to go. Yeah. And everybody being afraid to say to the mob, you've been misled. Yep.
2: Bingo. It's frustrating, man. It's scary, yeah. too. This isn't just a right versus left game. That's I, I wish there were more people willing to say that. This isn't just a my side's bad, your side. My side's good, your side's bad. It's not just that. We can't keep doing this or it's all going to fall apart.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, metaphors, which is overused and underappreciated, that of the dogs of war, releasing the dog, let loose the dogs of war. They don't mean like to chase a tennis ball and bring it back to you. The dogs of war is a metaphor for what war brings, death and pestilence and starvation and the loss of humanity and, and just every horror you can possibly imagine. And the dogs of war don't come back when you call them. The dogs of race war in the United States, or feverish mobs convinced that, say, Joe Biden and a gang of child molesters led by JFK Jr., together with Trump, are going to overturn the election and bring something or other? I mean, you unleash that stuff over and over again. Or anybody who's against this bill is uh, is is uh, is George Wallace is is Jefferson Davis. Diff- you unleash those dogs of of hatred and war. They don't come back when you call them. But but to get contributions, to get votes, to mobilize the mob, they're more than happy to do that. It's it's any oh god politics is despicable. It is, it is so it really despicable. Is. Seriously, crack prostitutes and, like, armed robbers should look down on politicians because at least they're honest about what they're doing. I have a gun. I need your stuff or I'm going to hurt you. That's a much more admirable exchange than modern politics.
2: Hang on to your French bulldog. They're getting stolen left and right. Is that a euphemism or uh... no? Just tell I me an actual dog. North oh. Korea had, does have hypersonic missiles. Freaking scary. What about when you release the French bulldogs of war and but a, then? And a bunch of other stuff. So stay with us.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. Why are we talking about the Cowboys? Enough with the Cowboys. You know, I see where Doritos—they have this new flavor. Uh, Doritos—it's called. It has a picture of Dak Prescott on the bag, and it's called Nacho
2: Year. Oh, my God, that's O.J. Simpson making a joke about one of the playoff games from the oh. weekend. O.J. Simpson the murderer. <laughs> get it? Nacho year. I get it. Oh, God darn it. it.
1: Wow, that's the, the message to the poor Cardinals of uh, Arizona. Is, uh, I felt bad because my dad's a Cardinals fan, but the Rams just absolutely whooped up on him. Mm.
2: Cutting commentary from O.J. Simpson. Oh, no, no. Damn. Um, who asked for that? So, I got a kind of a funny North Korea story and then a serious North Korea story that's frightening. North Korea bans laughing and drinking on the anniversary of Kim Jong Il's death, his dad. So, they've been banned from laughing. I'm too hungry to laugh. How many of them were laughing anyway? Yeah. Banned from laughing or drinking for 11 days celebrating or honoring the death of his father. You know, if I'm going to get executed for
1: laughing, I'm probably not going to drink that day to make sure I remember, you know? Make sure nobody says something funny.
2: This is serious. So we now know that back on January 5th, North Korea did successfully test a hypersonic missile. Until very recently, the only countries in the world with that technology were Russia, China, and the United States. And we just found out China had, had it like a month ago. Well, North Korea adds to the list. What? Who gave it to them, China? Yeah, it'd have to be.
1: You know, their rocket program is not terrible, but I don't think they're hypersonic missile-ready. So, yeah, I'll bet China, you know, they they kept their good stuff and their kind of second-tier rockets they came up with, they gave to old fathead.
2: Last week, South Korea's Joint Chief of Staff said it detected another missile more advanced than the one reported earlier in the month headed toward the Sea of Japan. Uh, Initial reports from South Korea indicated the missile traversed 435 miles and reached a velocity of 7,673 miles per hour, 10 times the speed of sound, Wow. Wow! with the world having no idea that they had the technology to fire a missile at that kind of speed. Hypersonic missiles, if you're not hip to this by now, travel low and fast and cannot be picked up by the sort of radars that we've got to pick up your usual intercontinental ballistic missiles. So the presidential nominee of South Korea's conservative party argued last week in favor of a preemptive strike against North Korea to counter their capabilities, saying missiles that travel at speeds over Mach 5, if they're loaded with nuclear warheads, will reach the Seoul metropolitan area in less than one minute. Interception is impossible. In that case, the only method to prevent them is conducting a preemptive strike when we detect signs of a launch.
1: But that's not preemptive. Well, I guess he means, like, you see the equipment being
2: moved into place? So. I
1: guess. I mean, once it's off the pad, it's it's too late, right? But How obvious, long does it take to
2: accelerate? I don't know. Obviously, this is ratcheting up tensions a great deal. North Korea has a missile and a nuke and a missile that could uh, uh, put it somewhere in the United States and we can't detect it? That's a heck of a story.
1: Well, according to our North Korea expert who wrote in, experts are... Occasionally wrong or often wrong. Uh, North Korea is just desperate to prevent any sort of invasion, and they have no plans on
2: acting offensively. We have to hope I that's hope true. I hope he's right. We have yeah. to hope that's true, because what other choice? I'm not we? sure we have an
1: alternative, honestly. Right. What you, preemptive strike of what? I don't know. Every conceivable uh, launching pad of, of this
2: weapon? I don't know. And uh, do you want to add Iran to the list of countries that has nuclear weapons and then probably very shortly would have a hypersonic missile from Russia? Or China, sure. Yeah, Yeah. Anything
1: to counterbalance the U.S. You remember, or China, you must remember, China will do anything no matter how unholy or unwise, as long as it's bad for the U.S. Yep, yep.
2: The enemy of my enemy is my friend.
1: Came across a great editorial that I'm praying the Democratic Party does not read. It is so smart about school closures. If you can't stay tuned, grab the podcast. Later, ArmstrongGetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show. The CDC is reportedly experiencing a massive wave of staff burnout, and even that was reported two weeks late. (laughs) Americans will be able to order free at-home rapid coronavirus tests from the federal government this week, and in equally timely news, 2020 New Year's glasses. (laughs) No. Freaking kidding! How is wow. not more of the media saying? Wait, wait a second! Isn't the Omicron going to be over right like exactly when we get all these? And you're ordering them now? Where you been? Yeah,
1: yeah, I know, I know. So I came across this editorial in uh, New York Magazine, which Aren't I thought was uh,
2: you fancy.
1: I can't even remember how I became aware of it, but. Uh, it's by Jonathan Chait, and his title is School Closures Were a Catastrophic Error. Yep. Progressives still haven't reckoned with it. Sometimes you need to own up to an error error, so it's not repeated. And, you know, if I wanted to and if we had unlimited time, um, I could read you. I have a stack here of emails on the topic of the tragedy of the school closures. Uh, some are from parents. Some are from uh, uh, teachers. Um, talking about you know the depression, the anxiety, the suicide attempts, the uh, the uh, substance abuse. Uh, teachers talking about how they thought when they came back in person it would all be better again, but the kids have lost something, and it's just so different now. It's 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 really
2: sad.
1: Yep. Is another reason you know I haven't pushed it to the top of things
2: we're talking about. I don't want to take up your time, but I'll right. I'll never understand. How people didn't catch on to this faster. Do you remember how confused I was at the time? Hey, is anybody else having any luck with this? Because this is a disaster. Is this working for anybody else? But I didn't hear anybody talking about
1: it. I remember in the very early days, you asked all the parents you knew, friends, relatives, everybody, um, and the kids... What percentage of learning do you think you're getting out of this? And one self-starting, super bright kid said about 30%, and that was the
2: champion. (laughs) Yeah, everybody else was way lower than that. And so with that out there, how did it not become a... Well, anyway, it didn't. So let me hit this editorial by Jonathan Chait,
1: and he is a a man of the left who's praying the left picks up on this. I'm kind of hoping they don't for at least a little while. I hope they do eventually, because I don't want to see the tragedy repeated, but... He writes recently. Nate Silver, he's the uh, 386 guy, right? The, is that the number thing that the polling organization 486? It's not uh, 386.
2: 486. It's a number. What is the yeah, number? Yeah, it's
1: a 281. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, blink 182. I don't. I don't recall. Anyway, uh, Nate. It's not that important. Nate Silver found himself <laughs> in the unenviable role of main character of the day on Twitter. Five thirty-eight. Yes, that's the one. That's much better than the numbers I threw out there. Anyway, he was the main character on Twitter for a day because he proposed that school closures were, quote, a disastrous invasion of Iraq magnitude or perhaps greater policy decision. Wow. The comparison generated overwhelming anger and mockery. And Chait says it's not an easy one to defend, a fiasco that led to hundreds of thousands of deaths, etc., cetera, etc., cetera um it's a pretty high bar wing policy failures in such utterly different realms to each other is so inherently difficult that any discussion quickly devolves into could superman beat mighty mouse territory (laughs) which i thought was oddly amusing in this context anyway but these complications do not fully explain the sheer rage generated by silver the furnace hot backlash seemed to be triggered by silver's assumption that school closings were not only a mistake a possibility many progressives have quietly begun to accept. But an error of judgment that was sufficiently consequential and foreseeable that we can't just shrug it off as a bad dice roll. It was a historic blunder that revealed some deeper flaw in the methods that produced it and which demands corrective action.
2: And it was obvious within weeks. That's what makes me so mad and what I've never understood. It was obvious within weeks that this whole home learning thing does not work.
1: You're 100% correct, and undeniably so. And I think uh, Mr. Chait soft-pedals that reality in the next several sentences. Um, you'll notice that that it was clear almost immediately. That unnerving implication is, has a mounting pile of evidence to support it. It is now indisputable, and almost indisputed, that the year and a quarter of virtual school imposed devastating consequences on the students who endured it. Studies have found that virtual school left students nearly a half a year behind pace, on average, at least. Uh, with the learning loss falling disproportionately on low-income Latino and black students, perhaps a million students functionally dropped out of school altogether. And the social isolation imposed on kids caused a mental health state of emergency, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics and virtually anybody with the Awareness of kids. The damage to a generation of children's social development and educational attainment, and particularly to the social mobility aspects of its most marginalized members, will be irrecoverable. It is nearly as clear that these measures did little to contain the pandemic. Children face little risk adv- uh. adverse health effects from contracting COVID, and there's almost no evidence the towns that kept schools open had more community spread.
2: Wow, so that's a heck of a thing for him to say. So he's not only saying it was a disaster... He's saying a disaster that didn't even need to happen at all. It would be one thing if he was weighing it against, you know, it was dangerous, but this is worse in the long run and the balance of things. No, it wasn't even dangerous to start with. Well, exactly. He's
1: trying to do, in fairness, a cost-benefit analysis, but there's only cost and no benefit. None. In the panicked early weeks of the pandemic, the initial decision to close schools seemed like a sensible precaution. I would agree, at least temporarily. Authorities drew on the closest example at hand, the 1918 Spanish flu. But in relatively short order, growing evidence showed that the century-old precedent did not offer much useful guidance. While the Spanish flu is especially deadly for children, COVID-19, just the opposite. As we all know now, it is so... You know what it is? It's revealing that he has to point these things out to his lefty audience. Um, It's shocking but interesting. By the tail end of spring 2020, it was becoming reasonably clear both that remote education was failing badly and that schools could be reopened safely. What happened next was truly disturbing. And what's happened next, we'll describe to you after a brief word from our good friends at Simply Safe Home Security. They're giving our listeners 20% off for the New Year's on their award winning home security. And your first month is free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service.
2: Why well, you can take 20% off your Simply Safe system and your first month is free? When it's not
1: very out, expensive anyway, honestly. As great as it is, it's very reasonably priced.
2: Named the best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News & World Report. You go to the website, you click around, you customize it for your home. You can get free custom recommendations if you want a little help. In fact, they help you with everything, set up and everything else. You set it up yourself. So this isn't a make an appointment and be there between 11 and 5 and somebody will come to your home. Nope. You set it up yourself, take you about a half an hour. No long-term contacts, contracts, no commitments.
1: Any scumbag ever comes to onto your property and does something foul, you're going to have their picture, their license plate and high def camera views thanks to the indoor and outdoor cameras. Good stuff. Take 20% off your Simply Safe system, first month of monitoring free. Just go to simplysafe.com/armstrong, simplysafe.com/armstrong.
2: I wish I could take any enjoyment in this lefty commentator saying that some of us were right about this, but I can't. It was too damaging to the kids. There's no pleasure at all in this, it's just maddening, just yeah. freak. It's beyond maddening. This is going to go down in history like the um, uh, the experiments they conducted on uh, black males with syphilis. I mean, it's it's going to be that sort of thing. Like, how did that ever happen? You'll wonder, wow, what a different time that must have been. How yeah, did the cruelty and ignorance? How did mm-hmm. something that crazy ever occur where they shut down schools?
1: Unbelievable. So, Jonathan Chait. He just went through, if you're just joining us or you have a short memory, a short attention span, he just went through the fact that the evidence was irrefutable that remote schooling was failing miserably and that the children were not at risk from COVID. Irrefutable evidence. What happened next was truly disturbing. The left, by and large, rejected this evidence. Progressives were instead carried along by two predominant impulses. One was a zero COVID policy that refused to weigh the trade off of any measure that could even Plausibly claimed to suppress the pandemic. The other was deference to teachers unions who are organizing to keep schools closed. Those strands combined in refusal to acknowledge the scale or importance of losing in-person learning with a moralistic insistence that anyone who disagreed was callous about death or motivated by greed. He leaves out, handily enough, the cult of Trump hatred, right? Because that was a powerful animating force of those other things. Trump
2: derangement
1: syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Social scientists have measured the factors that drove schools to say closed last year. One study found schools with unionized teachers, more of which were located in more Democratic voting districts, were more likely to remain all virtual. Another likewise found, quote, local political partisanship and union strength rather than the severity of COVID predicted school closing. It is always easier to diagnose these pathologies when they're taking place on the other side. You've probably seen the raft of papers showing how vaccine uptake correlates with Democratic voting and COVID deaths correlate with Republican voting. Perhaps you've marveled at the spectacle of Republican elites actively harming their own audience from his perspective. Although these people always they can't comprehend there's a difference between vaccines and vaccine mandates. Anyway, but the same thing Fox News hosts were doing to their elderly supporters, progressive activists were doing to their side's young ones. In a big country, there are always going to be crazy people at the margins. You can measure the health of the parties by the degree to which crazy ideas are taken up by powerful people. But the Democratic Party's internal debate on school closings was making room at the table for some truly unhinged ideas. The head of the largest state's most powerful teachers union insisted on the record, quote, that there is no such thing as learning
2: laws. Oh, wow. You remember that? Wow. So I'll ask the question you were asking me earlier about the whole vit- voting rights thing. Do those teachers union people that did this horrible thing to our kids, did they actually believe they were doing the right thing? Or are they just that cynical and care that little about children?
1: I think they combine the greed of the uh, you know the Wall Street robber baron with the morality of the uh, mob assassin. Honestly, I just think they're rotten to their core. Anyway, the the head of the largest state's most powerful teachers union insisted on the record there's no such thing as learning loss and should have been barred from public conversation for the rest of her life for that, and described plans to reopen schools as, quote... Oh my God, that
2: makes me insane. That makes me insane. How can you say that out loud? That's nonsensical. Not only is there data to back up the fact that that's nonsensical, it just doesn't make any sense on its face. Yeah, somebody get, the, get me the name
1: of the California Teachers Association head. I can't remember. It's not Randy Weingarten. She's the national gal. Uh, but th- this is an evil, evil human. We're Google about to it. Name. There is no such thing as learning loss. And describe plans to reopen schools as, quote, a recipe for propagating structural racism.
2: Oh, boy. Played the race card on
1: it. Within Blue America, transparently irrational ideas like this were able to carry the day for a disturbingly long period of time. In recent days... Angie Schmidt and Rebecca Bodenheimer have both written essays recounting the disorienting and lonely experience they had watching their friends and one-time political allies denounce them for supporting a return to in-person learning. Bodenheimer's account is especially vivid. Quote, Parents who advocated for school reopening were repeatedly demonized on social media as racist and mischaracterized as Trump supporters. Members of the parent group I helped lead were consistently attacked on Twitter and Facebook uh by two Oakland moms with ties to the teachers union they labeled advocates calls for school reopening white supremacy called us karens and even bizarrely claimed we had allied ourselves with marjorie taylor greene's transphobic agenda
2: e toby boyd i'm told is the name of the head of the california that teachers association
1: sound right but uh, okay i could be wrong it should
2: be a household name if it's correct
1: uh, then they talk about the fall, the failed experiment of remote learning finally coming to an end in the fall of 2021, except for a handful of. So we've got
2: we've got more quotes from that story. We're about out of time. Um, I, this story makes me so angry. I, I can barely talk. I can barely think about it. And if you had kids in school, you feel the same way. I know you do. Oh, so don't get me started. I'm going to have to calm down. We'll be back.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: The worst thing our government has ever done in the modern era, you know, post-slavery, etc., is shut down the schools. It will go down in history as that.
1: Yep. And this uh, Jonathan Shade piece, just to wrap it up very quickly, uh, his point is that uh, most of his friends on the left haven't even discussed this. And in fact, one of the most animated conversations on the left right now is whether we should even be measuring academic achievement anymore.
2: Wow. And, and how, much, how, how many of the the opinion makers on the left have kids? I know. I know.
1: So uh, I was going to say coming up, but let's just go ahead and do it right now. I hope you enjoy this very much. You remember Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy on Saturday Night Live? I do. Well, this is Veep Thoughts with Kamala Harris.
0: We have the power today to have an impact on tomorrow. And we can't shortchange the significance of that. Should we have done that sooner? We are doing it. But sure we have done it sooner. We are doing it. Here's the motivation. You. Figure out what kind of gives you, you know, your brain a, like, like a tangle. I mean, the thing about so, Doug is that he is exactly who he is. If you want to figure out how to get across town to some restaurant you heard is great, you usually do Google. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. It's actually stronger to be kind than it is to be mean. And that's, that's a winning argument every time. It was a debate that the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. We must together work together. It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day. It's so fundamental. Is so fundamental. We do things that are about saying that our Department of Justice is going to do these investigations. Always dream with ambition. Have big dreams. You'll remember that. Yes. yes. All
2: right. I'll see you later. She's not, not impressive. Nothing will ever beat uh, the one there toward the end. The there's there's a time for how does it go? There's a time for. It
0: is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day.
2: (laughs) Yes. Resist we much. I love that. That's fantastic. Wow. Joe Biden coming up on uh, what in two days be the one-year mark uh, with the second lowest approval rating in 80 years, behind only Donald Trump. That's really something. Part of that is where our politics are. The other part of it is he's really sucking right now.
1: Not a joke! As I pointed out earlier, though, if you look at the trend line, that's what's really notable. I mean, Trump started with low approval numbers. They ticked down a little bit, but he never had any approval from Democrats. And, you know, just okay from independents. He never got below 40 or above 45, I think, something like that. Biden's numbers have plunged among independents by like 25% or something like that. Uh, And Democrats are just, uh, you know, they're they're trickling away a little more slowly than independents, but He's losing support in all quarters
2: i um I say this a lot, but i i uh it, it bothers me some uh, cable news acts like, and maybe this is what the audience wants your your whole life is determined by who's president, and everything is marked by presidencies and stuff and I, I think living your life that way is insane. I just whatever, but um I do wonder how this turns out all politics completely aside. the guy is senile. He's worse now than he was a year ago. I wonder how this plays out. Like the, the politics aside, I just wonder how this plays out. Does he do they 25th amendment him? Does he at some point come out and make a speech which, you know, I think all Americans could get behind if he came out and said, "Look, I realize I'm not capable of doing things anymore. I just I forget things and
1: and I've further realized that the vice president is a dunderhead." <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: Now so yeah, you're, you're going to throw that in. Now you're, into now. Po- now you're getting into the politics. But at some what? at some point does he give a impassioned speech where he just says, "Look, it happens to lots of elderly Americans and I'm just I don't I struggle now and I don't think I should be president." Well, I stand by
1: my prediction that he is all along planned on probably serving 2 years in a day so that his vice president, were they not a dunderhead, could theoretically serve out his term then run two more times. Um uh, and I still think that's fairly likely, uh, depending on w- which direction his cognitive abilities go. But in answer to your question of how this plays out, I think the very, very best thing we can hope for is we all hold our breath and and pray disaster doesn't strike, whether foreign or domestic, any worse than it has.
2: I think he gives that speech at some point. I'd agree. The touching, I'm losing it, and I should step down speech. And we all say, yeah, it's too bad, I guess
1: strong and getty